0: Enough. It's just too much. Like the saying goes, you might not love me, but you need to respect me. Remember respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me: Take out T-C-T. Aretha Franklin sang, "Anna Julia Cooper said it best. Only the black woman can say when and where I enter in the quiet, undisputed dignity of my womanhood without violence and without suing or special patronage. Then and there the whole Negro race enters with me. The phrase when and where I enter may be best known as the title of Paula J. Giddings' formative womanist text, that at some point demands to be read. Just not right now, of course. All summer, the mantra in the streets, on our screens and even on the uniforms of our sports teams have been these three words, Black Lives Matter. The problem with these three words is the unspoken but often heard male gender role when Black Lives Matter only reminds you of these names, George Floyd, Jacob Blake, Botham Jean, Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, Palandro Castile. But that's only half the story. This is a man! It all started with Brianna Taylor murdered by Kentucky police in her apartment. It all started with a Tatiana Jefferson murdered by Fort Worth police in her bedroom. It all started with Sandra Bland put in a Texas jail, never to walk out alive. It all started with the women's suffragette movement of the late 19th century. By that, I mean the racist suffragette movement that traded favors with the white supremacists for their support to allow white women the right to vote. What do you think you know as the start of American feminism with illustrious historical figures like Alice Paul, Susan B. Anthony, and Elizabeth Cady Stanton? also begins the calculated minimization of black women at the political table. In other words, The white founding mothers of the suffrage movement sold the sisters out. Fast forward to now, no one was legally held responsible for the death of Sandra Bland, whose trip from suburban Chicago to accept a job in Texas turned tragic. It doesn't help that before her questionable death, Bland was an outspoken supporter of the statement that black lives matter if all lives mattered would there need to be a hashtag for
1: black lives mattering think about that so for me black lives matter and then subset all lives matter
2: get out of the car why am i being apprehended you just opened my car door order. you just I'm opened my car door so you're going you're in to drag me out of my own car get out of the car and then you're going to you up get out
0: wow
3: now wow get out of the car really? for a failure to signal you're doing all of this for get a over signal? there right yeah yeah let's take this support. we have to
1: just stop icing these things over we have to stop acting like they don't matter and so sandy is going to speak whenever i see something wrong i thank you guys i love you guys i appreciate all of your support and i hope you have a very blessed prosperous successful go out there and do something great today change your life even if it's just smiling at somebody love you guys
0: Though no law enforcement agency was ever held accountable for Bland's death, her family did receive a $1.9 million judgment in the wrongful death lawsuit. That was 2016. Though no police officer was ever held accountable for Breonna Taylor's murder, her family did receive a $12 million judgment in a wrongful death lawsuit. That was September, 2020. Has the value of black women's lives increased over the past four years? Today, we won't let others define our worth as we say her name, listen to a variety of voices, and proudly proclaim that black women matter. You know, that's important because I'm a black woman. (laughs) I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. interludes a pure lighthouse production brought to you by a1 pest masters for all your exterminating and pest control needs call a1 pest masters and now all the way live from the south side of chicago give it up for your hosts valerie johnson
2: on the, mic. the scene is ripe, the crowd is hype. I
0: the whack and those who bite. Why? That Three black women, Patrice Cullors, Alicia Garza, and Opal Tometi, made a statement that turned into a movement called Black Lives Matter. These three sisters were named among Time magazine's 100 most influential people of 2020. In a year in which a black woman's murder by Kentucky police made her a martyr and a woman of color could become the vice president of the United States, here are some perspectives from a variety of accomplished sisters on the topic of black women mattering in a show of unity. For part two of our series highlighting Black Women Matters, we will share thoughts from a variety of distinguished guests including philanthropist and attorney Erica Harden-Gibson, life coach, therapist, and author Kresinda Jones, and high school counselor and mentor Lysandra Barnett. Mm -hmm. The redefinition of the challenges faced by African-Americans have been bookend over the past decade by the works of two black women, author Michelle Alexander and New York Times journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones. Alexander, author of 2010's The New Jim Crow, established that the historic election of President Barack Obama just a short two years earlier was not the end of the need for civil rights in America. With The New Jim Crow, Alexander reset the modern criminal justice system as a means of slipping the status of black Americans back to second-class citizens, or worse, slaves behind bars. Hannah Jones led the New York Times 1619 project that contended that there is a need to reset our story at its start on this continent, and not at the start of white male independence from Britain. We will first hear from Cressinda Jones, on the state of black women today. The book she refers to is the new Jim Crow. How would you rate the state of black women in America in 2020? Wow, oh my
1: gosh. The first thing that comes to mind is post-traumatic slave syndrome. Amen. That's the first thing that comes to mind. If you haven't seen uh, videos on that or read that book, uh, you know we talk about I, I just was able to do a midweek um wednesday night about healing trauma and uh saw a video on post-traumatic slave syndrome again today i read the book years ago after some friends shared it with me so when i think of black women in america today i think of post-traumatic slave syndrome and it's it's layered it's it's um you know, it's it's not easy to describe, but, you know, post-traumatic stress, um, mm-hmm. you know, as a result of all the 400 years of oppression and suppression and um, just, you know, racism. So we are in the midst of it. Uh, unfortunately, many are very depressed. Uh, many feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, many feel... Um, like, you know, there's a knee on our neck. Um, and, and yet at the same time, I see so many strengths, so many strong women, so many faithful women, so many hopeful women, so many women who are in the fight and saying, you know, hey, we got a knee, but we get up <laughs> and we're not going to stay down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the ones that, you know, are so encouraging to me are, are the ones, you know, who have faith uh, with their determination to make uh, America live up to its ideas. You know, unfortunately, all the things that were written in the Constitution, all the laws were not meant for black people at all, mm-hmm. ever. You know, the criminal justice system is working just as it was set up to work. Um, all the laws, you know, the land are working just as they were set up to work, and, and they were not for us, they were against us. Uh, but I'm so encouraged by the people, especially of faith, who are saying, hey, you know, Matthew 28 is not the only scripture in the Bible. Matthew 25, where we're supposed to serve and help help the oppressed. And, you know, other scriptures about speaking up, you know, because of hope and because of faith and because of our relationships with God, we're, you know, we're moving forward and we're going to continue to move forward.
2: So,
0: Ralph Elson authored Invisible Man. One might argue 2020 has been about the invisible woman. According to Lysandra Burnett, Young black women today have been shaped by what we've seen as well as heard. Because you have been such an advocate for youth, an advocate for women, yes, Uh, this is one of the questions that I had in mind. Okay, how would you rate the state of black women in America in 2020?
3: Mm. Wow, I I think I think our black women um, we're hurting. I definitely think that we're hurting. Um, I, I don't think that we have been heard. Um, I think we are overall though, we really are stronger than ever. We are some awesome beacons of light, but I don't think that we've always been supported. And I think that, that that's where the hurt comes in. Um, when I think about some of the work that I do and the kids that I help, you know, there's a there's a low self-esteem that there's this self-esteem of, of wanting to be loved and cared about. Um, just from the men in our lives, from our fathers, um, our brothers, you know. So, even though I think that, you know, we can look back on the, the educated black woman, she's doing her job. She definitely is, is making gains, but then who is there out there to really love, care, and support us once we attain the things that we do? It seems like we're kind of out there on our own. I don't know. Yeah, that's the way I feel about the black woman in America right now.
0: All right. There was a recent New York times article called a battle for the soul of black girls documented how black girls are targeted for more severe forms of discipline, more than any other group in our schools. Do you Mm -hmm. see this happening in schools and how hard is it growing up being both black and female?
3: Um, Our, our, our black and Brown children are definitely, uh, being ridiculed a lot in our um, inner city public schools. Um, People aren't understanding. They're not understanding the home environments in which we come from. They're not understanding um, how we act out for Mm. attention, what we're yearning for in terms of love and acceptance. Um, People are not helping to develop that voice, um, helping to truly develop that leader. Um, When we can make it, when we can get to those opportunities of justice, we do really well when when there are people who can see us. And I think that that's where I really prided a lot of our work that I've done in, in actually trying to see young people um, actually say, hey, we see you um, and, and you can attain things. I think a lot of times we've been just uh, trying to shut them up and our young mm. people actually do have a voice and we should listen to them. I think that that's really key. Well, when you see them, how have you cultivated their voice to come out? Um, I want to cultivate them that they have something to say um, mm-hmm. that theirs is a time to, this is a time for them to be heard. Um, I, I want to, I, I'm always about appropriateness, but I realize in this generation, they just want to come out. And I'm always like, well, there's always an appropriate way to do it. Young people.
0: During the summer, a young activist named Miracle Boyd, had her teeth knocked out by police over the protesting of a Columbus statue in downtown Chicago. The injury of the attack was captured on video. Barnett gives some insight.
3: If I could maybe even reference last year, towards the end of the school year, there was a young person in Chicago who got um, assaulted in the face by a police officer. She was downtown um, and this was one of the kids from one of the schools that I service at Sarah Good. This was a kid who was just out on the street, just in protest about the statues in um, in uh, the park downtown. Um, and she got hit in the face. Wow, a kid got hit in the face by an adult man? That, that was unheard of. Not only hit in the face, but hit in the mouth. And she lost her teeth. Um, and I looked at that as so symbolic, I think, sometimes mm. of what people are trying to do. They want to hit our young people in the teeth and silence them. When in actuality, we should be developing them so that they can use their vo- voices for positive means, um, so that they can really be heard. I think that we should not um, silence this generation, but this is a time in which we really need to be listening and leaning our ears toward this generation um, to really hear what they have to say.
0: The incident with police Barnett described left Miracle Boyd's mouth bloodied. In Kentucky, Brianna Taylor was shot by police in a blotch warrant search and killed. Attorney Erica Harding gibson is upset how law enforcement investigated Taylor's case and what that means as a mom of two black young girls. Uh, what was your initial reaction uh, to the Kentucky attorney general's decision not to indict the police officers <laughs> for any crime directly connecting to the killing of Rihanna Taylor?
2: Um, this is tricky for me because I definitely feel like um, I'm just tired of it, you know, so, so many of us, um, black women, especially um, black men as well, you just, it gets to a point where you feel kind of hopeless, like, like, really, an indictment, that's like the minimum, you know, we're not even talking about a trial. And You think about the things that we've been tried for, and convicted of, that we didn't do, and to think that we can't even get past the indictment stage. Mm-hmm. Even more frustrating for me is the fact that the Attorney General is a Black man. Um, I don't know how you live in this skin every day, you know, this brown skin every day, despite the opportunities you've been afforded. I don't know how you live in this skin every day and not fight for Black people. I, I just don't understand that personally. Um, but there's also the side of me that understands that the laws aren't written like they should be. And so anytime um, there's a bigger problem and that's that systemic racism of how the laws are written, how the police are trained, that's a bigger issue to me because we're talking about one man um, who clearly has too much power. Um, but there's a bigger issue for me and that issue is the issue of the systemic racism that has plagued the whole judicial system that makes it difficult for black and brown people, um, you know, to be successful, to just survive. You know, uh, I, I'm thinking about my oldest daughter who drove, was driving to, got her license a year or so ago, mm-hmm. driving to a, um, during the pandemic, um, where she's in the house forever. All she really does is paint. So she had run out of canvas and she's like, I'm gonna go to um, the art store they have where you can just drive up and they bring it out. And she got stopped by the police because of an expired tag. Well, everyone knows that um, North Carolina has um, given you an extension on those tags because of, of COVID, they're not getting them out in time. We hadn't received it yet, right? Mm-hmm. It was a new car. Uh, we hadn't received it. so. You can't ticket her on that. You ticket her for going 61 in a 60. And I checked her life 360. I'm like, were you speeding? You know, Um, and so those are the little things that, although it seems small, that's a big deal for a black person. You know, when she calls me and tells me um, that she stopped by the police, like I don't feel a sense of protection. I'm immediately worried, like don't touch anything, don't look, don't have any attitude. Like you go through this whole conversation of what what to do and what not to do, and just you know, don't make any sudden moves because I want my kids to come home, you know? Um, So to go back to your question about the attorney general, I don't understand how you live in this skin and not be able to identify with the plight of black people. I, I just don't get it. So my reaction, disappointment, (laughs) disgust, um, a bit of hopelessness, but at the same time in in anger that fuels me to do more. Um, That fuels me to every time I hear a conversation or a post about black women being nasty or um, incompetent or dumb or whatever else all these things that Trump uh, is saying, you know, it makes me want to change that narrative. Like, what can we do to protect our Black women, um, to protect our, our young girls, um, to protect our Black boys, to protect our Black men? And so unfortunately and fortunately, I'm spending most of my days for the next 30 something days figuring out who else can I get registered to vote and how can I make sure that the people in my circle are actually using their
0: vote. One thing I learned from being in conversation about the state of Black women is that we must have three important priorities. We have to deal with our personal state of trauma. Second, we must take action to improve our society. And finally, some advice for us And for our future generations. First, let's deal with trauma.
1: In dealing with and processing trauma, um, you know, how to cope with triggered traumatic memories. Um, Mm. And, you know, anytime we hear of racial issues, you know, where there is no justice, there Mm. is trauma and there is anger. So Mm -hmm. a book called Healing Racial Trauma, that's where that quote comes from, that when there is not justice, there is trauma and there is anger. But some of the things that we can do practically um, as we face these things, for me, once again, it's my faith. It's me talking to God and listening to God and being in a fellowship that's supportive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then practically also, we need to exercise, (laughs) you know, because we hold all of that stuff inside of us. So we need to exercise and let the toxins out. Uh, we can do grounding techniques where we make sure we stay present. You know, where we're not focusing and ruminating on the past or worrying too much about the future, but we stay present. Uh, Thirdly, we need to get outside. (laughs) You know, with COVID, COVID, you know, we've been, the smart folks have been staying inside as much as possible. (laughs) But it is so true. We need to get when there's open space, when it's safe, when we can have our mask on, we need to get outside. Um, And then another thing that we can do is practice self-care. You know, Mm -hmm. what will help you to be healthy, uh, whether it is relaxation, massage, exercise, uh, meditation, um, you know, going to therapy, getting a coach, uh, practicing self-care. And then the last thing, Uh, two things Um, let emotions be Um, I think that we will do anything to avoid pain you know we'll go shopping we'll get busy we'll work hard um, we will gossip you know talking to friends you know but we won't deal with us and how we're feeling And many of us don't feel that it's safe to be vulnerable that it's safe to be honest about how depressing these situations are. And so, you know, letting our emotions actually be and being honest about those things um, and getting support is so very important. And lastly, the thing that helped me more than anything was uh, timeline therapy. Um, It's a therapeutic modality where we can eliminate the emotions and the baggage that we carry. Uh, Therapy today usually deals with managing and coping but timeline therapy deals with healing, and that's been the thing that's been most helpful for me personally and for my clients. Uh, so those are some practical tips about just dealing with the mental and emotional toll of all the trauma that we're experiencing.
0: Second, let's take action at the ballot box. What does it mean to have oh, Senator Kamala coming. Harris yeah. as a running okay. as the Democratic Vice President nominee? Because your whole face changed when I mentioned, when yeah. I, you saw the so, question i
2: mean, I'm for I was for her from day one whatever she decided to run for, mm-hmm. for. Um, there's so many representation matters is what we you know what we always say what we say to our kids um, it matters when they're in the classroom to be taught by a black teacher. It matters um, when they're in the classroom when there are other black kids in the class. It's frustrating when you're the only one And so I think it's so important that more black people, black women, um, run for office, like it's okay, lower the bar. Like everyone's afraid to, to step out of their comfort zone. And I think that we as a people, especially black women, um, we, we, we have to know our value. And I think we do know our value and we need to put other women uh, forward. You know, when they're qualified, when we're qualified, let's step up and run and support each other. I think that's really important. And so for Kamala Harris, I mean, my family is my husband is Jamaican. You got that that plus. Um, so she's got she's Jamaican and Indian, minority all over the place. Um, and so that those are two groups right there where representation really matters. She's an AKA, the first and finest, right? Um, she's a Howard graduate. Our our daughters at Howard. My husband went to Howard. I mean, there are so many similarities when I think about who is going to um, know my situation and be looking out for what would be important to me, it's gonna be the person with shared experiences. I can't always expect you know, a white male, I can't expect a white male to know my story because it hasn't been his story or to understand it. But I do know that she's gonna understand my story because she is my story.
0: This concludes our two-part look on how black women matter in 2020. Erica Harden Gibson is the executive director of A Girl's Gift, Charlotte, and co-executive director of A Girl's Gift in Annapolis. Kresinda Jones is the author of several books on therapy, which can be found on her website at christindajones.com. Lasandra Barnett is a post-secondary coordinator at Chicago Public Schools. If you have thoughts and feedback you would like to share with me, you can reach me by email, val at purelighthousemedia.com and on our Facebook page at Pure Lighthouse Media, LLC. Next time on Interludes.
3: Anyone to me that would deny history is on the wrong side of history. Anyone to me that would deny education is a problem. Mm -hmm. I think, as we all know, that if we don't know our history, we are bound to repeat it.
0: Political science professor, author, and playwright Ted Williams III. Next time on Interludes. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble, produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson, original music intro and outro by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production, brought to you by A1 Pestmasters. For all your exterminating and pest control needs, call A1 Pestmasters at area code 773 365-9962 or visit their website at a1pestmasters.com. When you book your appointment with A1 Pestmasters, tell them that you heard it on the podcast called Interludes.